0: Hey, what's going on, my friends? Dr. Drill to the Making Motivation Podcast, the 24th of September, 2020. Gosh. Crazy, my friends. I feel like my office is the big top. I Strategizing about renovating it, putting a big circus tent top on it. the people, all of whom I love, the staff, the patients or attendants, the doctor himself. It's always been that way, man. It's always been like a circus. Maybe it's because it's a small place, maybe 900 usable square foot in there, four or five rooms, <clears throat> and people come in, I think that, you know, like, I I'm not get down on myself, but sometimes I blame myself for all the crazy things that, that go on, I, I'll, I'll set the stage for you, so I didn't have to start around 2 p.m. today. So I had all morning, man. I slept in. I was fucking tired yesterday. Holy shit. Just beat dangerously tired. I wrote down on my little note, notepad here, on my phone. I had a moment where I was illustrating a stretch to a young lady talking about ergonomics uh studying from home. I took a knee, showing her stretches. I get up, and I was like, I don't know, it was orthostatic hypotension, or whatever the fuck it was, but I was starting to get some blurred vision, I was like, whoa, trippy, and I was talking, but I was like, I wasn't feeling like I was all there, I don't know if it was too much caffeine, or not enough hydration, or hypoglycemic, or just tent stress, just, just performing out there. doing my work, doing my best. But, anyway, I didn't have to start till 2 p.m. today. I go in there, I had, I had a couple patients to start. I had two new patients back-to-back at some point. I go out to pick up the second, to, to greet the second new patient. We're in a pandemic here. And there are two people, that are mother and daughter, that aren't on my patient roster that aren't on the schedule and they're just there because somebody said you should go there and they're like how do we get in I said well there's a password (laughs) and so they were like oh well can we come in and uh, I wanted to be warm and inviting and they come on in and take a look at the place and fill out the paperwork and let's communicate in some way but I had this other woman who had an appointment with me that I needed to serve her you know And I refuse to, I I didn't, I don't like it when, when, you know, time is precious. And if you're, you got an appointment with a doctor, well, my attention, my focus needs to be on you. And these people just kind of showed up cold, unannounced. And so now I'm trying to be courteous to them while simultaneously telling them to get the fuck out of there because I got... Business to attend to. I got somebody to serve. So I'm talking to them, and that happens. And you got some another colorful character pop their head in, or somebody's late, somebody's early, somebody, you know, people are trying to come into the office. Like we get signage on the on the all over the friggin' front of the place. We'll come out and get you. Or call us. And now we're trying to find. Find out how we can create, like a maybe a ring doorbell. Maybe it's that easy, or maybe um, a video monitor or uh, a intercom that we can use to say, "Hey, here, here for my 2:30 appointment." Just some audio thing like that. Maybe I can buy an intercom and that'll work. <laughs> that way, the staff is sure that you know people are there for their appointment. The doctor will be right with you. We'll be right out to get you. Please sit in your car. Something like that. So listen, I'm happy to have the problem of being busy during this zany fucking time. Where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or whatever. I just know it's been a long week. And revisiting the whole big top carnival atmosphere in at my office. I guess it is... It, it's that people are comfortable. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change the way we operate. We've always been kind of like a free-spirited, come one, come all. Um, We're here for you. And you make people, if we're doing our best work, we're putting people at ease. So they feel comfortable to be themselves. And so next thing you know, if you license people to do that, it doesn't. It's not a doctor's office anymore. Now it's like a place where you come and, and you have your experience. And that's what we do. We provide a custom experience to the individual. We meet everyone where they're at. You know? And try to make people feel at home. And some folks, you give them that opportunity, man. Any excuse to act out or be themselves or laugh and carry on. They do it. And I love it. I love it, man. So I'm not, it's not going to change. It's just that sometimes it is fucking, it's, it's a lot, man. It's like you are running the big top. You don't know what the crowd is going to do. You got your, your people with you that you help put on a show and you, you provide a, a service or a product to these folks. People come under the big top and they grab their popcorn and beverages or whatever, and they, they're amused, and they they engage, and it's a wonderful thing. It can be a tremendous experience. Everybody walks out, you know, laughing, carrying on, talking about all the things that happened. And now, so that is just kind of who I am, and it's what I encourage, and it's the environment that Healthy Balance has always been. Sometimes it's just just fucking—it uh, never ceases to amuse me, man. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And you, obviously, if you're if you're tuning in, you pick up on the, the, this trend. I'm always talking about this. Like, I can't believe what happened today. We got people come in that are students uh, studying from home during a pandemic. We got cops. Canine officers coming in, talking about their dogs, and we got people who are, you know, got love their dogs. They got no kids, and they got uh, nothing but you know love and devotion to their animals, and they raise them, and they love them, and they breed them, and they. No, that's that whole scenario. We've got people who are business types that come in dressed for success, and we got teachers that come in, and. We got patients that are coming from other chiropractors who, you know, they didn't like the way they operated or their chiropractor retired. And so now they're coming into me and we're going to start all over again and I have to put on my absolute best uh, work for them. And we got folks that just want to come and go and get their adjustment, but not too many of them, I'm to be honest with you. Everybody's got a spiel and an experience and something they want to share. You know, I told somebody this evening that uh, a very comparatively quiet, kind um, person, a single mom, talking about le- online learning, talking about this, that, and the other thing. I said, you know, I just want to tell you that we appreciate you. You know, you are a breath of fresh air. You are painless. You're a good person. You're. I'm glad you're coming in here and allowing us to serve you and I think that the feeling was mutual but I've been into that lately telling people how I feel about them I reached out to both my staff yesterday and said you know I want to let you know that I'm glad you're in my life and I appreciate you are appreciated because sometimes people start to wonder you know they might wonder if they're not told that Uh, and I think we don't That's another thing that maybe attracts people to our office is that we get to know you, and we appreciate you, and we accept you however you come. It literally is a come one, come all all special place. And damn it, I'm proud of it, I guess, at the end of the day. I'm proud of this circus. You know? It's a good journey to be on. So, got that standard... 10-minute rant about my office and the characters in it, all of whom I love, got that out of the way. i got some other uh, concepts that I want to share with you. Uh, Some things that I wrote down here. So, uh, you know, this is kind of on on an unfortunate note. My my son and my daughter, I guess they had a bad day yesterday. So my son... As I snuggled with him before bed. And he's doing less and less of that. We used to really, you know, I've told some stories about uh, how he comes in every night and mom's got to kick him out. And it's her pet peeve because he comes in and messes up the covers. And... But now he's going to bed on his own. And my wife gives me the cue to go in and kiss him goodnight. So I go in, I snuggle with him for a couple seconds, and he's half asleep already. And he said, yeah, dad, it's, I don't know, but it's online learning. Uh, you know, I had a bad day. I'm not really doing well in school, and I'd like to go back face-to-face. And you know, he's just growing up. He's 13 years old. He's got friends. He's got feelings. He's got. Uh, he's, he's growing. His voice is changing. He's got pimples. He's got a little mustache. He's got braces. He's He's growing up, man. And he said he had a bad day, so I cried today, dad. I said listen man here's the deal it's our mission we get kicked in the nuts every day I actually said this to him listen you get kicked in the nuts today Uh, the sun goes down spend time with your family be thankful for all you've got we're all happy we're healthy we're together and uh, tomorrow the sun rises again and with it we get up and we start our day and we go after it trying to put points on the board for fucking good guys. That's all we can do is practice resilience and find ways to survive and to thrive despite any of the nonsense, you know? So my daughter kind of gave me a similar spiel. They're both doing well, you know. They they are they're adapting and they're home with mom and momie and They're studying, and they're they're doing their sports, so at least there's that togetherness. And they're great kids. Proud of them. Proud of them. Um, I also, uh, on a completely different note, I've been noticing this star outside of our... in, in the sky. We've got very little light pollution up in Telford, where we live. And I go out there in the yard with Momi before we hit the rack and I see this red star I don't know if it's Venus or Mars or whatever it is but it's out there every day every night and I'm going to find out what it is and I was talking to my neighbor today I want to get a telescope and I want to put it in our our side yard and be able to go out there and and take a look at um, these celestial bodies out there to observe them and see what's up and imagine other worlds. I mean, I was thinking about that the other night while I'm taking a, a dump or something and I'm looking out that window. You know that window you have right in the in the restroom perhaps and you look out and you see trees and the sky and maybe some cars off in the distance. We're kind of on a hill. So I can see uh, this this particular traffic signal that I'm passing under right now, I can see that a couple miles away I can see the lights from Philly I might have mentioned the other day, my son was uh, I said what'd you learn buddy, he goes oh I learned 1776 is uh, when their nation was started, and I said bro, 70, like the freaking Philadelphia 76ers man it all began right here look out the window after dark, and you can see the the lights from Philly—I mean, t- towers, these like whatever they are, microwave, cell phone towers, or whatever—but <clears throat> you can see them. You can see Philadelphia thirty miles south of us on a clear night, very easily. So I want to look up. I want to see the stars. I want to want to imagine what's going on up there because, God, think about it. Really, just think about it. You ever watched uh, Carl Sagan's Pale Blue Dot? on YouTube and look that up. There's a great cartoon that you can watch while you're listening to him recite this poem, basically, this prose of his. The pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. And you think about all the strife that is real and imagined on this world, on this pale blue dot, this rock that is covered in, uh, in water and the life that exists here and all of our all of our challenges and our troubles and all the beauty of this world and all the ugliness and you zoom out shit look up in the sky every star you see is a sun okay that if with orbiting planets that are in proximity, perhaps sufficient to sustain life. All the elements that we have down here that we see on the periodic table, they're up there as well, and probably more elements. Element things, materials we can't even imagine that are interacting on worlds that we have no clue about. Is there life out there? Hell yeah, there's life, man. The story is far more complex than we have believed it to be in terms of biblical tales and wives' tales and Johnny Appleseed and a whole fucking deal, man. The history that we know is the tip of the friggin' iceberg. You look up and you see that cosmos. Do you wonder when you see those stars? I mean, what are you looking at? What are you imagining? Do you see? Uh, you think about constellations, or you, see, you know, can you identify Polaris, the North Star, or do you know what Cassiopeia is, or the Big and Little Dipper? Have you ever seen those things and cared enough to really wonder about them? Go on YouTube, search, you know, the Cosmos Online. Watch some of these shows about outer space and. Real the science that we know. There's probably virtual uh, planetariums, you know, that you can you can watch online from maybe the Hubble. Go and look at some of those images of um, of the wider universe out there. Things that we can see. You ever? I mean, you know what I was wondering about. So that red planet or red uh, yeah star that I see out there. The light have you ever read that you know like the speed of light is whatever however fast that is so the light that is that we're seeing the stars the light from the stars in the sky it took however many light years to get to us like you can calculate it how long that light so what we're looking at in and seeing those stars they're so far away that that is ancient history, we're seeing light that was emitted by that star by that ball of gas we're seeing the light that that star emitted via a process called fusion, a very powerful uh, reaction we're seeing the light that was emitted by that star millions of years ago you know ...a very long time ago. So we're looking at, at the history. We're looking at the past... ...when we see the light from those stars... ...because they're so fucking far away. Does that boggle your mind? I mean, can you know, I, don't, I probably didn't say it... ...as, as well as I could have... ...but that is unbelievable. So next time when you're sitting on the shitter... ...and you look out your bathroom window... ...and you can see the stars... ...you walk out in your yard... Uh, ...if you're fortunate to live in, ...in a place where you can actually see some stars... Imagine these other worlds, because, you know, as we develop this world and we inhabit it and we uh, build more buildings and communities and, and the population grows, the light pollution, for instance, if you live in the city and you look up, you're not going to see as many stars as if you live in the middle of the, you know, somewhere in the Midwest or in the desert, you look up and there's it's pitch black at night, there's nothing look up and you see countless stars. I mean, I remember being up in the mountains, up in the Catskills, growing up on vacation, and get a clear night, and you look up at the stars. Oh my God. I mean, there were shooting stars. Every minute, every few seconds, you could see another shooting star. And that is a tremendous sight to see. A beauty to behold. So that's interesting. A uh, couple book reviews, <clears throat> some things, some books I'm reading. You know me, I got uh, books in various uh, degrees of uh, completion. So I'm, um, I was listening to uh, Michael Cohen's spiel about Trump. It's a pretty good book, pretty well read, and it's evident, you know, it, our president is a fucking liar and a con man. He, he is, guys. I mean, I I know that if it wasn't your chosen side, if you're listening and you're like a staunch Republican or whatever, if he wasn't on your side, if he wasn't the leader representing and didn't embrace, you know, your particular politi- chosen political party, you would think he's a piece of shit. You would identify him very clearly as that because that's what he is you know how many books need to be written how many things that he need, does he need to say to prove to you that you know, he's telling you what he is well, I'm not saying he's the devil as I said before I'm not saying Trump is the Antichrist, but Christ was the anti-Trump he took care of people he united people he tried to do good things and I don't know, you know, history will be the, the gauge, it will tell, tell us years later, you know, what he, what he might have done that is positive for this country and this world, but it just seems like he's an antagonistic figure, to say the very least, right, he's always, he's a, a contrarian, he's, 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 uh, like a bully, And so Michael Cohen spells it out, basically how he did this guy's bidding. They had identical phones, so they were always having meetings about all the same issues. He was basically his henchman. He, Trump said, jump, and he went and fucking did it. Did, you know, the whole nine yards, from lying to his family, uh, lying to his wife about affairs and payoffs and all that shit, to... uh, spins about whatever, like catch-and-kill stories. I mean, it, Trump's a scumbag. Anyway, good book, but I got disgusted about halfway through it, and I couldn't finish it. I may, I may, <clears throat> but I listen to books mostly at night, and I don't like to sleep on those sorts of, you know, I like to watch something or listen to something that is makes me think, makes me happy. So i I've been uh, listening to this sh- this uh book Dune. It's a story t- timeless sci-fi classic um that you might remember there was a movie called Dune and it's a pretty good audiobook. So the same deal, it's a futuristic world and and Dune is this uh, uh this planet called Arrakis and, and there's different people on it, different cultures and there's the people who everybody just like our world the people that they it's like us against the rest you know, so you got the um, this one particular class and there's another class and they're kind of at odds and they're trying to, all trying to get something called the spice which is a uh, precious substance that is not necessarily a, a wholly tangible thing, so it is uh it can be a subjective thing, depending upon the situation, the spice kind of, um, is very malleable, it's not like gold, it's like a precious sum- substance that is, it can be almost anything you want it to be, um, so, it's interesting, and the spice is on this planet called Dune, I believe, so they're, oof, that's a skunk, um, so there are people who, they go mine, they're, they're all in a frantic race to go get this, mine this spice, so they can have power and all that shit, money and power, and they're all trying to make it rich. So, maybe the planet that the spice is on is called Iraqis, but it's, it's seemingly a, a dune. It's a, it's a desert. And so these people are mining it, and there's these sandworms, and there's storms at 600-mile-an-hour winds. And that'll just fucking destroy mining equipment and all this stuff. I describe it as a dystopian and simultaneously a utopian world. Um, Some of the people that live on Iraqis have a water-conserving mutation. Right, so what that means is that uh, they, because they live there, they have to find ways to, like this, they draw this woman's blood, and like with a saber or something, just barely scratch her, and the blood starts to flow, and then it it recedes, in the same similar way to which uh, if you dug a well, the the water would be there, and then it it would be ample, and then it would recede. So mm-hmm. they're theorizing there's got to be a way to unlock it. So it's a very interesting mystical world. Uh, I say, Arrakis is a desert wasteland. Um, talk about—they talk about water scarcity a lot. Um, uh, there, there's trees that they describe, and for all these trees that are thriving there, these desert palms. That for for every tree, it can. Uh, The water that's used to nourish that tree can nourish 50 people, let's say, but uh, seemingly you can't find the water that the the trees are able to harvest. So that's interesting. Let's see what else. So it's fantasy reading. It said, oh, so this one cool quote. I'll end it with this because I'm about home now. It says the spice could make us rich. The spice could make us rich. Then we can make Arrakis into any kind of world we want. And I'm thinking about the environmental implications of that. Right? So Arrakis is this God forbidden world. It's a desert, it's a wasteland. But it's got this precious substance that they're trying to extract because they find it ultra useful. Um, and if they can, if they had all the money, if they could extract all the, they theorized if they could extract all the, all the spice from Iraqus, then they could transform it. They could um, uh, transform that world into a utopia, into anything they want. So they've got to get the spice out of the, out of Iraqis, um, to mine it out painstakingly before anybody else does so that they can, uh, you know, claim the land their own and start to terraform it. That's the term I was looking for. So make it into a world that, that, you know, shape it the way that they want to. And so I'm thinking about us human beings trying to tame our world and shape it, you know, to our liking and how we, we try to do that. But it's, it's elusive because the nature doesn't isn't on the same program, right? So very interesting how sci-fi yeah, you know, they call it sci science fiction for a reason because we're using the information that we have, and we're wondering about the world, uh writers using their imagination and trying to uh, They're getting creative with it and creating these worlds that kind of, in a way, parallel our own interesting concepts and ideas that are very familiar to us, because we have the same problem. So they wonder, and they write about um, what these various worlds like Iraqis could be like. And it's interesting, because there's a blend in Dune of kind of, uh, you know, some aristocracy, and there's just. People who were you know, this one kid, one character who was born seemingly into uh, uh to, to go on this journey and his mother kinda raised him and knew that he was special. The whole hero's journey thing is well at work in this book, Dune. So, uh yeah, there's some characters and they're fencing and they're they're talking about how to protect themselves and uh you got this other Uh, culture or class of people and and you gotta be able to defend yourselves from them and their beasts and you know the way we villainize the enemy it's interesting so I'm gonna listen to some more of that tonight I'm also listening to a book about crowds, the madness of crowds by Douglas I was just on Joe Rogan Douglas Murray, and that was a great episode of Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Guys talking about how a lot of the social justice issues today, the social justice warriors, with the pendulum having swung from, uh, let's say, racism in our country. We've got a tumultuous past. We basically stole this country from the Indians and killed them all and took the land and did what we want with it. So we talk about all the freedoms and and forefathers and all that stuff as if as if they you know this is our land this our this land is our land this land is your land. Well, we fucked them up. we killed the Indians, committed genocide, stuck them on uh reservations, they really got a shit deal so um we have a very racist past and we have a very brutal past and those were different times. We could say maybe, oh, well, it's the way it was. And we, our people were persecuted and, uh, from tyrants in Europe. So we were looking for our own land. So we went out and we found it. And the Indians weren't doing anything with it on par with what we wanted to do. So we made it like a little Europe over here and with our at new knowledge. And they were just savages, the Indians. We probably thought back then, right? So we killed them all. We fucked them over. And then we did the same thing with uh, you know, slavery. So it's brutal, cruel, uh, racist past. And we've come quite far. All right? But there are still, it emerges sometimes, there can be remnants of our past and uh, in our behavior and, and history repeating itself if it's not uh, rectified. So... Yeah, there's definitely some bad things that happen to people. And there are still some racist people out there, and there's some sexist people out there, and some classist people out there, as we otherize people who just, they don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't behave as we behave. And so they're different, and we're not like them. That's that's kind of a human nature thing. Uh, as I've used the, the analogy before... You know, we come out of our caves, and we're caves, our caves are on the hill, oh, we wanted to take a journey to, in order to uh, go on a hunt, or round up some resources, whatever the case may be. And but when you go through the valley, you got to be careful, because the people who live in the valley, they're different from us. They don't dress like us. They have different customs. They're not always taken to strangers easily. And so, we don't trust them, we would be tempted to fight with them, uh, take what they, and it would be very easy, because they're not the same as us, seemingly, to uh, to take their shit and claim it as our own, to the victor go the spoils, you know, so that has been at work for a long time in um, in humanity, and we still got it going on, even though we're advanced, now... We've got more people on this planet. We've got um, less space, less and less space, room to roam to call your own. So um, people are at odds about resources, and whatever the resource is. So we call each other names and um, we try to covertly or overtly steal resources from one another. Anyway, this book, Douglas Murray, The Madness of Crowds, is when people start Um, you know, all this, to to say all this about the world that we live in, how fucked up of a place it is, and really what is history, what is the truth about Christopher Columbus and uh, civil rights and all the things. There's been a lot of havoc wrought um, across human history. Now, How can we right those wrongs? How can we ensure that they never happen again? Is a good question. Who the fuck is that? Somebody's contacting me. So, how can we ensure that those wrongs are righted and that we don't make the same mistake twice or dozens of times? Is a good question. This book by Murray, Madness of Crowds, describes how some of the civil unrest of today and how uh, we've got uh, tempers flaring and people burning their communities down and uh, Me Too and Gotcha Culture and um, stuff like that and how that pendulum can swing from one extreme to the other so we went from one extreme to overt racism from overt racism and horrible uh genocides and shit like that and now we go to the other um extreme where we we see that everywhere even though comparatively times are better now <clears throat> um and everybody's sensitive about that so people imagine that they see things uh you know people uh, if anybody is killed by law enforcement or a person of color it's a tragedy their job is to protect and serve and that should be their primary mission and and uh sometimes that doesn't happen you know sometimes people make mistakes and and uh you know and there's profiling and all kinds of other shit like that it's real and so people have a right to be outraged But we need to, I think, temper that with the knowledge that, uh, we have come quite far and your average individual, particularly your average American, though they might have some hidden, some, um, occult or not occult, um, some covert, um, biases that we all possess on some level. A lot of that has been, um suppressed. And in fact, a lot of people are, um, are all about equality in every way. And so, um, anyway, Douglas Murray's a pretty reasonable guy. I like what he has to say. And I recommend that book. Pretty three decent, three pretty decent books. Everybody have a good night. <laughs>